0: Hey, what's going on, everyone? I'm your host, Adrian Chukliani. Welcome to the St. Joseph's Capital Show, the home for faith-driven leaders and investors in pursuit of new streams of passive income through the tried-and-true asset-class commercial real estate. I have conversations with high-performers, investors, and syndicators in the industry that are using their time talent, and treasure to breathe life into and create eternal impacts in their communities. Our goal is to help you build relationships, learn about real estate investing and syndication, and level up one day at a time so that we can all become the best versions of ourselves. Now, let's get to the show. Receive your free access to our seven-day course, An Introduction to Passive Real Estate Investing, which also includes access to our new ebook, 13 Advantages of Real Estate Syndications. Inside, you'll learn the basics of commercial real estate, how syndications can be a wiser alternative, a detailed example of forcing appreciation and increasing value on a multifamily property, and benefits of passively investing. Receive access to this course and the book by checking out the show notes or visit stjosephscapital.com that dot com to start your investment journey. I'm your host, Adrian Chukliangi. This is your St. Joseph's Capital Show. Today, I'm excited to share with you guys our guest, Jeff Greenberg. Thanks for being on the show, Jeff.
1: Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here.
0: Absolutely. All right, Jeff is the CEO of Synergetic Investment Group. For the past 12 years, he has managed all aspects of commercial real estate ownership, including acquisitions, operations, value add dispositions, and investor relations. Synergetic Investment Group is currently focused on helping high net worth individuals passively invest with best in class commercial deal syndicators and to invest in commercial real estate. Synergetic Investment Group uses extensive experience. To help investors determine the overall merits of the investment opportunity. Jeff has been the featured speaker on over forty real estate podcasts and is currently active on Clubhouse. All right, Jeff. Well, I'm so excited to have you here. It's an honor. I just like to invite you just to share a little bit um, about yourself, uh, your life, your investing journey. Yeah, anything, anything you would like to share, Jeff?
1: Well, you got you got uh, some of it there, so. Um, I've been doing this for 12 years, mostly multifamily and student housing. Um, Been investing all over the country, Uh, been the main GP in all of those deals, and currently changed my focus to the uh, equity raise part of it, and I'm now an equity fund manager, Um, so I help People get into um, quality deals uh, from other uh, with other syndicators and uh, spend a lot of time with investor relationships and working with investors. But uh, basically started out with the first real estate that I ever purchased uh, was a 20-unit property. A lot of people have started out with single-family homes and worked their way up. Well, we decided to skip all of that and jump right into a 20 unit property, it was syndicated. So we did raise money for that deal. And we got in that deal with about 12 other investors. And we, we learned a lot. I mean, we, we call that a seminar. Uh, we didn't make a lot of money. But we got a lot of good relationships out of it. And learned a lot. And then uh, worked our way up. Um, to the last property that we recently sold was 225 units uh, out in Texas. And I'm currently uh, in the middle of a, or at the tail end of a raise for a 400 unit property in Houston, Texas. So that's a pretty good accelerated uh, view of, of what's been going on.
0: Oh, it's phenomenal, Jeff. Thanks for sharing. Uh, It's, Really cool how you jumped into that first uh, 20-unit syndicated deal. You know, like you said, a lot of folks kind of start off with residential, maybe one door, maybe a duplex. Um, But what made you want to start there with that 20-unit syndicated deal way back years ago?
1: Well, we wanted actually to go to a larger property. I I started out a little bit uh, doing some REOs, you know, bank-owned properties, uh, single-family homes. But that was in uh, 2005, 2006, and it wasn't a great time out here in California uh, because there was a lot of foreclosures going on and the banks were holding on to them. They didn't know what the heck to do with them. So that wasn't really working very well. And then we, we bumped into a guru uh, who we went to his boot camp and got our training and got a mentor and learned how to do a syndication, we, my partner and I had some of our own money, but not enough. And so we had to raise money for that one. So we had to you know, either JV it, uh, which we really didn't understand at the time. So we went straight to a syndication and had to raise $350,000, which at that time was a huge amount and we're scared to death. But we managed to do it, and got into that property no
0: that's that's phenomenal, Jeff. I appreciate it. And um you know, with your focus on multifamily and student housing now, um you know after these years of of you know operating real estate, what has been the driving factor for you in terms of why specifically multifamily and why student housing
1: well. I, I really like multifamily because, as people say, you know, everybody needs a place to live. So it's it does very well even in difficult markets. Uh, so I do like the student housing. Um, I'm not exclusive to student housing. Uh, excuse me, excuse me. Multifamily. I'm not exclusive to multifamily. Um, I do like self storage. I do like. Uh, mobile home parks and assisted living. Those are some areas I'm exploring. Uh, A lot of it is due to their recession resiliency. Uh, They do a lot better than some of the other asset classes like office space or retail. We've seen retail take a hit uh, during, during COVID and office space and a lot of that. So I do like some of the other ones that are very uh, market uh, resilient to the different ups and downs with uh, markets. And and anybody going into real estate has to understand that all real estate is cyclical, Hmm. that it does go up and down Uh, in different markets. It may be less or more extreme, but they're still cyclical. So the ones that are the most stable typically are the less risky. Uh, And so those are the ones that I tend towards, especially when I'm uh, bringing in investors' funds, I want to go towards more stabilized activities. Now, in the future, we may do higher risk, but with the note to any investors, you know, that if we go into higher risk stuff, that they would be aware that we're looking at higher risk with an expectation of higher return. But as far as right now, you know, looking at uh, 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 protecting, making sure we protect investors' money, that's, that's number one uh, key. So now the student housing was kind of an accident um, that I got into. Actually, I had a 19-year-old intern that was looking for deals for me. He was analyzing deals, and he brought this deal to me. And I looked it over and I liked the numbers. Uh, He wouldn't tell me where he got the deal from until after I closed, because I found out afterwards that uh, he actually found it on LoopNet, uh, which everybody says, you know, LoopNet's the place that deals go to die. But there was two other people prior to me that failed to get the deal to closing and so I got a much lower price and it became a deal because I was able to get it at a much better price. So once I got into that student housing, um, I was less afraid of student housing. And so ended up getting a couple other student housing properties as well.
0: Oh, fantastic, Jeff. Uh, mm-hmm. I love that story of, you know, you not giving up on that deal on, on LoopNet. Well, you know, you didn't even realize it was, it was LoopNet until you closed, but you know, waiting for a you know, property that's, that's discounted and, and, uh, you know, just kind of cleaning up another situation where, you know, other investors weren't able to close there. Yeah, you guys were ready to, to capitalize on, on that opportunity. And it just kind of goes to show like there's opportunities where others may not see it as an opportunity. So.
1: Well, there were, there were definitely challenges. There was challenges getting closed and, uh, We came close to it not happening. Fortunately, the seller wanted to sell. They were uh, very good about waiting as we went through lender after lender after lender till we finally found one that knew what the heck they were doing and uh, evaluated the property properly and finally got it closed. But I imagine that the other people had similar problems and just didn't persist and didn't get as far as we obviously did.
0: You mentioned earlier about uh, resiliency, risk, you know, stability. And I'm curious how that, you know, what factors are you looking for um, to kind of determine those levels of those different things with res- resiliency, risk, and stability? When looking at deals, can you speak to, you know, what factors go into what makes multifamily and student housing, you know, more resilient or uh, have a little bit higher level of mitigate risk and um, mm-hmm. stable.
1: Oh, well, you know each each deal is is different. But if we're talking about multifamily, you know, obviously you're looking at the market. What's going on in the market? You know, typically multifamily, you're looking at the typical things. You know, job growth, demographics. You know, um, just population growth, the age of the the population. You know, those typical things that are going on in the market. What is the driver for a particular market? In student housing, it's a little different. Uh, Student housing, you're looking at the school. Uh, What's going on with the school? Are they growing the school? How much uh, of the population? What's the population of the school? Um, How much housing there is on campus as opposed to off campus? You know what's available off campus. You know those kind of things where you're looking at a little bit different, but you're protecting yourself by finding out what's going on in that particular market or school um, to determine uh, the 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 um, what's what's going to happen with that location. Um, and the other thing, as far as protecting yourself, you know that can be built into the deal as far as having uh, a, a good loan. A loan that exceeds your planned exit, uh, having uh, more reserves than you know uh, you may initially think. Um, those people that did well during COVID, you know, typically had enough reserve to survive some of the lower, you know, the lower rent months. Um, you know, just being prepared for possible negative effects on your particular market. And that's, what's going to save you not, not having a a loan coming due in the middle of a a pandemic, you know, uh, is important where all of a sudden you're panicking because you either have to refinance or you have to have a fire sale because your loan's coming due. So, you know, those are the things that are going to protect you And, and having sufficient funds um, to protect yourself or having funds yourself or having the deal sponsor be well enough funded that, that they could infuse money into a deal. If it comes to that, you know, those are different things that can help to protect you.
0: Right on. I love that. I mean, it sounds like there's so many, um, you know, angles that you and your partners have looked at when going into a deal, uh, to help you mitigate um, unexpected outcomes that may occur, you know, as the business plan is being executed and as time goes on, because you know, life happens and pandemics happen, and you know, how do you, you know, how do you prepare for those things? And it's, it's the answer is going in with, you know, those insulated assumptions where if this goes wrong, here's what we can do here, or if this goes sideways, this is a way we can combat you know, and counteract that effect. And
1: yeah, money, money could solve most problems in real estate, you know, so, so having adequate reserves available either in the property itself in the deal itself or externally, the deal sponsor having funds that they could bring in, you know, that, you know, that can solve most of your problems Uh, doesn't solve everything, but, if you've got enough reserve money and a loan that that you can ride out for a while, um, you know, those are two big factors that can help you ride out a lot of problems.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's a great segue uh, into my next question um, that I'm curious about, because I know you've been in this business for um, a good amount of time and uh, I know that you've recently shifted gears in your focus a little bit in terms of what your business is focused on and, and that's on the, the equity side. So can you, can you speak to the discernment that you went through in, in, uh, in that process on why you're focusing on the equity side of the business uh, here in 2021?
1: Well, it was more of, I mean, on all the deals that I did, I was the main equity raiser uh, on all of those deals. I was also the main GP. So it was always the buck stopped with me. Um, And it got to a point where I was doing parts of the business that maybe weren't my favorite and being the asset manager, which I'm still the asset manager on a couple of the deals where I'm the, and an asset manager is basically the represent, the representative of the owner, the one that deals with the property manager. Because we always have professional property management, but someone on the ownership team needs to be the direct to the management company. And uh, on a couple deals, I'm still that in that position. And I am in the middle of selling those properties because that isn't my favorite part of the business. Um, it wasn't my favorite part of the business to be looking for properties. It wasn't my favorite part of the business to be analyzing 100 deals, to make an offer on 10, to maybe get one. Uh, And I've done that for years. And so a lot of those things were the things that aren't my favorite. And so I decided that the one part I do like is working with new investors. I like teaching people about the business. I like helping people grow their, their wealth through this business. And I'm perfectly happy to do some handholding and, and teaching people and letting them know what kind of things they should be looking for when they're going into a deal. And so I decided that, Hey, if I can help people get into deals and maybe make a smaller piece out of many different deals, I could take my business that direction rather than maybe taking a bigger piece and being the main guy, the main person that the buck stops with let somebody else do that. I'm, but I need to find those people that I will work with those people that I think are doing a fantastic job that are good at operations that are good at finding the deals. And those are the people that I want to get to work with and I could bring some equity into their deals and help them out because a lot of times they may not be that great at the side that I'm good at. Or the other thing is, is a lot of them that I know are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so no matter how big, you know, where they are on their equity raise side, they're never getting They're, they're never keeping up right. with the size of the deals that they get into. I mean, I started out with people doing $5 million deals and now I've got people doing $50 million deals and $80 million deals. And so their raises keep getting higher and higher and it's harder for them to keep up. So if I can help them with a piece of that and I'm helping them, I'm helping my investors, I'm helping myself. It's a win, win, win situation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's one of my favorite parts about this business is, you know, it, when you when you focus on that one thing, you allow others, you know, to focus on their one thing, and you know, by you focusing on the equity side, it allows the operators uh, to sweat a little bit less when it comes to, um, you know, closing the deal because they have, you know, partners like yourself who can help them get to the finish line and. Yeah, so it's really cool, you know that that shift in focus, uh, Jeff. Uh, Jeff, so what's a recent improvement uh, that you focused on uh, in your business that's helping you move the needle forward in the direction that you intend to go that we could also apply to ours?
1: Well, the the recent change that I've made, I, as as we mentioned, I've changed my focus to the to the equity side, um, but a lot of the times I've met. Most of the people that are investing with me through personal contact, personal meetups, uh, boot camps, uh, conferences. I've met a bunch of people uh, through podcasts uh, that I've been on. Um, I'm pushing a little bit more on the digital side, you know, doing maybe a little bit of social media. Uh, I do uh, open a room up on Clubhouse where I get to talk to people. So I'm doing a little bit more focused that way and a little more organized. Um, You know, it was I suppose I was less organized before because it was always just network, network, network. And that's how I met people Um, doing a little bit more with writing documents and providing free free uh, uh, white papers uh, for people and getting in contact with people that way so a little bit more in that direction and but i'm still still doing um a lot of the in-person but since covid that you know that's slowed down quite a bit you know i expect next year i'll start doing some traveling again but you know my my traveling schedule you know uh in in 2020 was almost zero and then uh uh this year i think i've traveled two or three times but next year i'll probably start traveling again
0: <laughs> right on yeah it's been a little hard to travel lately but hopefully you know things open up and you know we can start getting there again but uh jeff i'd like to ask um you know, how do your daily habits and routines contribute to your productivity and success
1: well i mean i you know, I always want to block out time as far as when I'm supposed to be, you know, uh, doing things. I'm spending time, you know, writing materials. I'm spending time on my digital processes. Um, I also make sure that every other day I'm out uh, riding my bike for, for two hours. So I get up at six in the morning to go ride my bike because um, I want to stay physically fit. That's why I have the energy to do a lot of the other stuff that I'm able to do. So I have to, you know, have that life balance. And then I, I want to spend time with my grandkids. So I want to make sure that, you know, I do have a life balance and enjoy myself. And um, I, the night before, typically, I like to write down what it is uh, that I plan on doing the next day. So I have a checklist and uh, try to get those items taken care of. So, you know, I'm not completely structured, but I do, you know, like block out time. I block out time for myself, my for my personal uh fitness as well as development. Um on my bike rides, I listen, I listen to a lot of podcasts uh as I'm riding my bike. So I I make use of that time as well. So I guess I guess that's my plan.
0: I really like it. I mean, valuing time is so critical. And it's, I think, a lot of reason why people get into real estate investing in the first place. And then, you know, time blocking itself is such a good tool and helpful. And I don't know, do you use a Google Calendar by chance or any type of uh, calendar app?
1: I live by my calendar. I live by my Google Calendar. I wake up in the morning and actually sometimes I'll go and if I'm laying in bed, I ask Alexa to read my calendar and Alexa will read off my next four events and then she'll go and read off what, what's going on on my calendar. But if, if I don't do it with Alexa, uh, that's the first thing I do is I say, what's my morning looking like or what's my day looking like? And so I, I do that. Yeah. I, if, if I didn't have my calendar, I would be toast. I mean, every, every morning I have to go and look and see what appointments I have on the calendar.
0: Yeah. It's like a, your own personal assistant that, uh, you know, is in the computer and and in the cloud. And it's just super helpful in terms of keeping track of what do you got to do next, you know, prioritizing. And,
1: And in my phone and anywhere, I, anywhere, you know, I mean, it's, it's there and it reminds me things and yeah, no, definitely I could not keep track of my day without, without a calendar and the Google calendar is great. It works fine. And then also it's, I've got it linked with, with Calendly. So somebody makes an appointment with me. It's automatically in my calendar. Um, you know? Um, yeah. And I also linked with my, my database. So I can keep track of information and stuff. So yeah. Some of the electronic things I use are indispensable.
0: Oh, that's great, Jeff. Well, I'll have a, um your interior life mindset and faith played a role in your journey.
1: Yeah, we were talking, we were talking a little bit about this earlier that mindset is so critical in this business. I mean, the business itself is, is not complicated. It's really not difficult. I mean, you could write things down and and know exactly the processes uh, and, and you could set goals based on those those processes. Um, Anyone, you know, uh, I believe of any intelligence could do something in this business where the rubber meets the road is somebody's uh, determination, their mental um, drive their Why, why are they doing this? You know, if they'd rather go see the latest, If they'd rather go binge on Game of Thrones or something, but instead they're looking at properties, they're networking with people, they're going out to a meetup, whatever it is, because of their drive and telling them, okay, if I'm going to be successful in this business, this is what it's going to take. And there's been plenty of times that you kind of look at it and say, you know, is this going to work for me? You know, and it's going to take a good reason why you need to push yourself forward. There's many times that everybody I know has hit a point where, you know, they thought about, you know, quitting or something wasn't successful, or they had a bad experience and it's, it's in the head. It's, it's, it's in your head if you're going to go forward or not. And I do believe that everybody that's successful you know, has had those moments where they've had to push past their comfort zone, push and push towards their goals, whatever those goals are, and you know, look at the big picture. Um, so it's so much. It's very much a a mental game. You know, uh, be it spiritual uh, or just uh, you know your personal growth and development. You know, whatever it takes but a lot of it is, is between your ears and, um, you know, because as I said, it's not a complicated business that you have to be a mathematical genius. Um, even though there's a lot of interesting, uh, brilliant people that are doing this business, a lot of engineers, you know, software engineers or other areas of, of engineering, which you have to be pretty brilliant to be in a lot of those fields have decided that this is better than the field that they were trained for. But, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be brilliant to be in this business. You just need to be determined.
0: Right on. I mean, there's so much there to unpack. You talk about mindset, determination, perseverance. Um, And one of the things that you did, you did mention is your why. You know the reason that you're doing this business, and I'm just curious for you, Jeff. Like, what has been the driving force? What has been your driving why over your journey through through real estate investing?
1: Well, for the most part, I think it's been my my children, children, and my grandchildren that I want to leave a legacy for them. Um, earlier on. I wanted to leave my day job. I mean, I worked a W two job for eight years of those 12. Uh, So the thing was, is, is being able to comfortably leave the job and, and not to be, not to be a burden to, um, to my children, um, you know, in my older age. So that was pretty much it. I, I want to make it easier for my, my children and uh, grandchildren, you know, and be able to leave, leave a legacy.
0: No, it's so powerful with the drive for your family and to serve them, you know, in this awesome way. Um, you know, they're, they're probably watching you seeing, you know, the work you put in and, you know, I'm sure that's going to plant seeds, you know, in their lives and in their children's lives. I'm like, wow, like, you know, you know, Jeff did this for us or dad or grandpa did this for us. And now we can, you know, use, see his example and go do it for, for those we love too, and, and pay it forward that way. So no, I love it, Jeff.
1: Yeah. And I'm hoping that I could get, uh, you know, my grandkids more involved. I mean, I did uh, on the uh, couple of the, the last couple of um, properties I bought, I, I threw some money in there for my grandkids and bought shares for them. And on the last property, uh, I put $1,000 each in for each of my four grandkids and they walked away, well, it's going into a bank account, but they walked away with 1,700. So that that 1,000 turned into 1,700 on one deal. So I'm trying to show them that, hey, we can grow this and now I'm gonna take that 1,700 and put it into the next deal. I've got to wait for a 506B deal. I can't get them in a 506C, but I need to get them in a 506B deal and have them, you know, purchase shares. And have, we'll see where that we'll see what see where that initial thousand dollars grows to.
0: There you go. There you go. All right, Jeff, how are you using your time, talent, and treasure to create impacts uh, in your community?
1: Well. I do mostly, I mean, mostly it's in my, the I would say my, the real estate community where I give back. Um, I have been doing, opening up Clubhouse uh, two days a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and just sharing my knowledge on, on Clubhouse. Um, I also run two different meetups. I run a multifamily masters Ventura. Uh, it's been all virtual. Um, I've also been running a real estate meetup Uh, locally out here since 2005. We've, uh, we've been virtual for the last year and a half. Uh, So I'm giving back to those communities as far as just giving of my time and giving education. Uh, Anybody that wants to learn, you know, I'm an open book. Uh, You know, it's, I someone was telling me I'm, you know, Johnny Appleseed, you know, I throw out I throw out knowledge. I never know what's going to come back. Um and that's that's the way I live my life is I'll spend time with anybody and uh give information out. I do some coaching uh, as well, but for the most part I I give knowledge for free and help anybody that I can and you never know when when you're going to get into a partnership or whatever happens uh, in the future.
0: I love it, Jeff. It's definitely, um, you know, you have a heart of abundance and it's, it's clear by the way, you know, you're, you're conducting your business and uh, you're providing investors with um, great returns, you know, outside of the stock market or whether it's serving, you know, the tenants for your properties, it's uh, definitely a ton of impact. And uh, I'm sure those that you're helping through the masterminds and the networking events are getting, you know, immense value, uh, you know, from you and your story. And uh, I'd also, you know, we're getting to the end of the show and I just like to uh, open up to you one last time, just to share with our, our listeners, um, you know, how, where or how they can uh, find more about you.
1: Well, you could get a hold of me uh, at uh, my email is Jeff at synergetic IG.com. That's, S Y N E R G E T I C I G dot com. And if you want a uh, free white paper on uh, uh, what kind of questions to ask deal sponsors if you're looking to get in, you know, into deals as a passive investor, you can go to um, S I G C R E dot com slash sponsor. And I have a free white paper there that has a bunch of questions that you can ask if you are going in as a deal sponsor. And also if you want to become a deal sponsor, it's a bunch of questions that you could think about and think about how you would be answering those questions if someone was going to ask those of you. So it's just some of the things that might be important to somebody that wants to come into your deals. So, uh, that's, you know, a good, a good white paper for you to look at, because I do feel that the most important thing in a deal is the deal sponsor. The deal comes second. The deal sponsor is number one. So first you go and check out the deal sponsor before you look at the deal. Or if you, or if somebody sends you a deal, you know, go back and find out more about the sponsor, you know, and don't just spend the time on the deal. Okay, anybody can make a deal look good. Uh, that's easy. It's just numbers, but the deal sponsor is the critical piece, and and that that's the advice I give you on that.
0: Such good advice, Jeff, and. I just want to say it's been a blast having you on the show today. Uh, yeah, I've learned so much about you and your business and uh, I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot. So uh, yeah, thank you for your time and, and being on the show today, Jeff.
1: Thank you. This is great. I always uh, enjoy uh, getting to share with, uh, with the different audiences and thank you very much.
0: Absolutely. Thank you again to our listeners for listening to the St. Joseph's capital show. Thank you for listening to the St. Joseph's capital show brought to you by St. Joseph's Capital. St. Joseph's Capital works with investors nationwide investing in real estate, while also donating 50% of profits to assist missionaries who are committed to sharing the hope and joy of the gospel with high school and university students around the world. St. Joseph's Capital, creating impact one investor, one missionary, and one student at a time. Connect with us online at stjosephscapital.com to receive free access to our new seven-day course, An Introduction to Passive Real Estate Investing, which includes our new book, 13 Advantages of Real Estate Syndications, which you can also receive access for free. This information provided on this podcast is intended to be educational and informational only and is not considered to be formal legal advice. The listener should not take refrain from taking action based on its content any listener is in need of legal opinion upon which to rely in decision making should consider formally engaging an attorney to
1: review relevant facts in detail and examine the pertinent laws that apply to these facts